Hello and welcome to the Denver Diatribe, a weekly podcast of news, culture, and stuff as it pertains to Denver, Colorado, the city with the most buzzworthy baseball between Wiggins and Welby. My name is Josh. I'll be your host today. With me in the studio in Five Points are co-hosts Ron and Jared and special guest Corey Cachado. Today we'll be covering a medley of newsy bits. If you want to catch up on things that are relevant and irrelevant in Denver, we're here. Tuned. How's everybody doing this morning? I'm doing great. I just realized that I left my cell phone in the bathroom of uh, Coffee at the Point. Oh. Just now. I, I tweeted, like right before I came here, I, I tweeted from the bathroom. From the toilet. Saying, I'm about to go on <laughs> air. So anyone that happens to uh, be listening live right now on nfnradio.com, please go and uh, get my get my cell phone. Oh my Did God. you set it down on top of the urinal? No, the 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 the, the toilet paper dispenser, you know? Oh yeah. Oh, so I was my, actually no. you know, I, I wasn't actually tweeting while I was doing my business. Right. But I thought you Liar. know should it's we call okay. should Just we call them? But you guys bring you guys bring your cell phones into Yeah, the I do. Should, yeah. should we should we call them and get them live on the air? <laughs> Whoever happens to be Home. taking a shit right now. There's a brown, at the point. There's a brown Excuse me, could you please break into the bathroom? <laughs> Wow. So I said that we have um, Corey with us. Corey, uh, who are you? Uh, I am the city editor uh, for a few more weeks uh, for the Denver Boulder AV Club. Mm-hmm. and uh, Of the little, Onion. Of the Onion, yes. Uh, and also a uh, just a local arts and entertainment uh, journalist and blogger uh, written for Westward and uh, run our zombie website and some things like that. Why do you, why do you say a few more weeks? Alas, uh, because of monetary reasons, the Denver Boulder AV Club is – no longer going to have local content, which means I no longer have a job. Uh, so. That's really, really unfortunate. So, and so I, I heard this in that. Uh, uh, yeah. The yeah. peanut gallery chimes in. I, I heard the news, uh, what, two or three days ago. And so the Onion, as it's, you know, all that stuff will still be there on the newsstands, but the actual AV Club, which a lot of people didn't, might not have realized it was like... Well, even the AV Club is... The AV, is, AV Club is continuing. It's just only the national National content, content only, yeah. yes, exactly. So the local content that apparently not enough of you knew and loved uh, will be Wrong. going away. Uh, it's, it's funny, actually. Like, uh, we, we never got a lot of comments or things like that. Uh, we, uh, some, but uh, not as many as I would have liked, obviously. Um, but the second that it was going away, I, I, there was definitely a uh, – I realized I did have a much larger readership than I thought because yeah. a lot of people made a point of saying, oh, wow, this really sucks and I'm going to miss you. And we're even able to talk about specific things I'd read so they weren't just blowing smoke up my ass. So, um, I mean, I read it every I read it every week. I mean, yeah, I absolutely. you'd go through yeah, the Onion well. and you'd check in on – you know, just the the roundup of what was happening. Strange lunch. Yeah, Kathleen St. John, who yes. we had on uh, yeah. uh, our our podcast before. That's that's Matt uh, Matt Schild is, was on our live show. We've had lots of people from AV yeah. Club involved. Yeah, really sucks. Really, completely, sincerely sucks. What happened? I. Uh, my understanding is it was a cost cutting measure, and I, I guess I'm not really supposed to say anything Come more on. than that. I've been told. The last time I talked to the press, I I didn't exactly get in 
trouble, but I was definitely told to deflect all further questions to uh, the national PR office or Josh Modell, who's like the managing editor of the whole thing. So, so you're still getting paid. Get him on the show. You're still getting paychecks for the next two weeks, but then after yeah. that, you can come back on and, and give us the. <laughs> Perhaps I can be a little more honest. We'll have then, you yeah. back on, get you lined uh, up for a libel suit. And my phone's actually buzzing now. Maybe they're listening live and Ooh. being like, don't talk. Just stop where you are. Um, Maybe they're in the coffee at the point bathroom right now. That, that could be. That's, a, that's another possibility, I guess. Uh, but yeah, uh, in a few more weeks, I, I guess I'll have slightly more freedom. But I'm going to be writing for the National AV Club, so... Um, uh, so that's something. Uh, oh, that's good. Yeah, yeah, for sure on a freelance basis, and as well as you'll be able to hopefully read my stuff in the Westward. That that's uh, currently in in talks, and by in talks, I mean I've said, hey guys, I'm going to be available, and they said, hey, that's neat. We'd love to have you back. So uh, you'll be able to, if you're really missing the Corey Cachado flair on local coverage, you'll be able to pick that up in the Westward and the uh, inevitable zombie apocalypse. Yes, you can, Yeah, that is also getting uh, resurrected. It's coming back from the dead, so to speak. Because I didn't I really could never die. If well, it's, a it's, it's you know it was just sort of resting in a shallow grave uh, for the last <laughs> year. As uh, AV Club actually kept me pretty busy, um, but uh, I certainly have a little more time on my hands now, which maybe is a blessing in disguise. I can get back to my love of zombies. I'm also going to be. I have a new baby on the way, uh, which is sweet timing, AV Club. Um, but uh, <laughs> it does mean that I get to be a stay-at-home dad for a little while, so that'll be cool. They did this in uh, Austin as well. I yes, was- they did. Yes, they yeah. did. Yeah. And uh, a, I can and actually give you a list of cities that they did it in. Yeah, so, so it uh, seems like that's... Yeah, we, list off the cities so Denver doesn't feel so pathetic about it. Uh, Austin was the first that lost local. Then uh, I think Philadelphia was next, and then Ann Arbor, and then Denver is number four, and... They have others on the list, on the chopping block, right? Yes, yeah. I'm not sure yeah, if, if you're supposed to say Yeah, if you're working for the AV Club anywhere right now, you're probably... Yeah. There's, Tidy up your resume, yeah, folks. Yeah. <laughs> There's another city, I think, that's... that's uh, scheduled to be shuttered in the short term um but i can't remember if that's been announced yet or not so maybe i should not announce it here no okay i mean it you goes can back announce to your that, presidency though. it goes back to that same debate that you're seeing i mean even when you have the reason why the onion in all these cities a lot of people people seem to think that the onion if they picked it up like on the sea boulder campus that all of the articles and everything was run out of colorado or denver right right like right when in fact it's all you know it's all these writers in new york and the content is put to each one of these cities but you would always have the localized content yeah. the local people there to make it unique to each city and then you can sell to those advertisers but this is really a isn't worth it for us financially anymore it doesn't really matter to have this type of local content attached to our national brand yeah, i guess specifically I guess so. the local cities that run the franchises are saying that it's oh, not it's yeah. not helping us with our advertising sales for right. the paper enough right yeah because because they run because the paper runs off of the denver post's printing press correct and the Denver Post uh, runs the, uh, and this is this is all public knowledge. I'm not hanging my ass out too much here. Um, <laughs> it, it, they also sell the ads too. They they, right, run, right, right. they run the whole business side. So, mm-hmm. all right. Well, we're happy to have you here. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. I'll be. Um, here. I have a lot of time, so you can have me on any time. Newsy bits. Newsy bits. The first newsy bit I have for today is that um, Civic Center Park um, will be getting a. Historical designation. May, May. It's not. It's not it's official. Not. It's not official yet. But the person that has final say is Salazar. Ken Salazar, and the, the odds of Ken, Ken Salazar, a uh, former senator from Denver and now director of the sec- of the Interior, Secretary yeah. of the Interior. Interior. Yes, um, he he gets final say on which. Uh, landmarks become national historic landmarks. So the odds that he will say no are pretty low. However, Civic Center Park has been very contentious over the last couple of years. They've tried to get rid of it. 
again and again. I mean, the Colorado History Museum was supposed to be. Well, they were going to they were, they were going to put it in one corner of Civic Center Park. Yeah, that's know? yeah. And yeah, then kinda, the preservationists came back and they said, no, this will ruin the architectural design integrity of the way that the park was situated. It's, it's feng shui. Yeah. And now the History Museum has, as we uh, had the state historian on a few weeks ago, has an awesome building just a yeah. few blocks away, which is probably even better. Way better. Mm. Way better. Yeah. So, yeah, so, I, I, hopefully that'll happen. That, that way we can keep the circle of death forever. For those of you that know the Denver Cruiser Ride. The, What's the circle of death? So, you know, whenever you're in the middle of Civic Center Park, how there's that sort of like circular there's area. There's the Greek amphitheater. The, the Greek amphitheater, if you will. At night, on Wednesday nights, uh, during the summer, the Denver Cruiser Ride, they all congregate there and they ride around in circle and sort of like, uh, it's a big, fast loop. And then people inevitably, you know, they there are bike salmons that go the wrong direction and it becomes a little hectic and crazy. And then there's a dance party in the center of all that. Yeah. Yeah. It's good times. And then what there's, are, and then there's little seal there's the seal fountain that yes. you guys know on the other side sure. of civic center park where during festivals like uh people's fair and things like that it fills up with water and all the kids play in it, it turns into like one big microbial cesspool <laughs> <laughs> you're right <laughs> that 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 that's some that's historical national right history i wonder how it'll change how how events are handled there or if it all if it will at all yeah, I imagine that national like historical permits, designation, you get a certain amount of federal funding to be able to preserve the park, but you would also there would also be a number of restrictions right. based on what you could do. I wonder if that would, like you said, hold up any of these events. I don't or know. People from holding. That's like, a good question. I mean, cause, well, because you think about like uh, some of the big open air markets that are in Boston or somewhere like that. Those are national historic landmarks, but they, they have people all over them all the time. So yeah, plus we have okay. the National Mall. Doesn't seem to, the National and Mall has a whole pro- yeah. swarming all over it the all the time. The National Gap in the National Mall, right? <laughs> <laughs> Zing! Oh, there what, it is. I want to know if it makes all the uh, people, the drug dealers that operate out of Civic Center Park, does, do they now become federal crimes? Yeah. Oh, that's a really good question. Or they become historians. <laughs> Maybe it'll be like they be, all become it'll docents. Be reena- like some sort of urban reenactment. I totally want to see. What do you what do you buy weed there to be like? You'd have to ask for a lid. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, no. I, no, we have to get them all to dress up like former presidents. There'd be George Washington, yeah. Yeah. Dealer, and Abe Lincoln, and tri corner hats. <laughs> have them do tours. That's I right. love this. This is a great idea. This would solve the homelessness problem, right? Yeah, for sure. To yeah. Give them something to do, which we will be getting to shortly. The homelessness problem but our next newsy bits in Peyton Colorado uh, the parents of a second grader said officials overreacted when they had their son remove his face paint while portraying dr. Martin Luther King jr. yeah he, I, I, he was in blackface with, so so what I, I only scanned this story barely okay. what, so, so, what was this deal uh, like? so the class had the class had a day that was uh, part of the living wax museum project people were very kids, cool kids are supposed to come in dress up as you know Mark's museums and so this white boy wanted to be Martin Luther King and to produce a more authentic <laughs> representation he uh, came in, in, in blackface. blackface yeah yeah so it was more brown face really it was more brown face <laughs> it was sooty it, he didn't look I don't think it wasn't a direct reference to the blackface minstrel no era. he didn't have the silly lips he right. wasn't he wasn't obviously making a parody right. he, he, he was sincerely trying to be he was and so how did he get in trouble one of the t- one of the staff was they were offended one of the Someone staff was offended, and then the principal pulled him aside and, and said, you yeah. know, you can't do this. This isn't this. okay. And and so they made him take off the yeah. Yeah. the they made, face. they made him leave for the rest of the day. And oh. then as soon as he left for the rest of the day, then, you know, the news crews swarmed. He called 
and got him. The video of him talking is is pretty. Amazing. Is he still? Is he still in the? He's city still face? in the sooty blackface. Yeah, yes. Right. So you got to go check out that video. He's got his hair slicked back because he has kind of longish brown hair. His hair is kind of dyed black, and he's got the soot face, and then he's got a little one of those like party mustaches you get from Urban Outfitters. Well, the only way that this would get attention any anywhere else but the school would be if the parents of the kid went and made a big stink about it. Well, they this. are. They, they, they are. They're, they're upset. They're saying that the officials overreacted. And they're, I, I, they're saying they might pull their kid out of school. Right. Do you guys think it... I don't think asking him to remove blackface is an overreaction. Like, it's a good opportunity. I mean, if his parents are genuinely that ignorant, which apparently they are, he's got to learn somewhere that blackface isn't acceptable because, you know. But if you're doing, I mean, if you're doing a a living wax museum and you're supposed to come dressed up as a wax museum figure and you're representing Martin Luther King. And and the teacher knew. How do you represent Martin Luther King as a white boy? With long and hair, do, yeah. And so do all the... Ju- Julian has the photo up. <laughs> there he, oh there he is. Yeah, right. It looks like Hitler. <laughs> he looks like <laughs> he Hitler, looks like Hitler in the latter days of the um, bombardment of... Yeah, uh, after, <laughs> covered uh, in soot. Yeah, he looks in. very sooty. Sooty is a, is a good word to describe he it. He does. He looks, he looks so, like yeah. a chimney sweep. I, Corey, I can... <laughs> 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 he was doing something for Mary Poppins. It wasn't really... Uh, yeah, Corey, I totally agree with you. I think this is an opportunity for everybody to have a little educational moment and move on past it. The fact that they made a big deal about it and got upset, that's a problem. But then they, the, you know, the TV crews, they interviewed other parents from the school, and the other parents were like, well, if my kid got selected to BMLK and he's white, I would make him dress up with blackface as well. So, I just I don't know where I'm at on this because I really if my kid said I want to go as Martin Luther King I'm not going to sit and have a conversation about why he can't do that because you're white I mean it's 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 you know it's like well I mean the the reason is it's is the motive what's it, the motive well here? I mean the the kid can't be blamed I mean he has no clue I mean he sure. doesn't know about minstrel shows and the the cultural illusions and the offense that that can create among some people because of the way that blackface was used right right um, but. You know that does still exist, and so I don't. Yeah, I guess I'm with you. So I'm not really sure to where to come down. I don't, I don't. I wouldn't fault the kid, but at the same time, you can't. As a school administrator, you have to, you know, set some boundaries and say, well, this is offensive, and maybe we can use this as a, you know, quote unquote what, teaching moment. What but, is offensive about it? Okay, so here's the question: You have a son who they're doing the same thing, Living Wax Museum, and wants to go as a woman, and so puts on a wig and a dress and makeup. And makeup. But there's not and really there's, the same and sort of, one of the staff is yeah, but why? Why isn't there? If you're, if but you're, it's just not the same history of like you know, I mean, drag shows and minstrel shows are not. It's not. Yeah, but he's not referencing s- minstrel shows. I think. You I do, think it's unfair to call it blackface. Oh, Julian's getting in on this. He's yeah. He's you want to jump in? No, no. He's <laughs> just putting on his headphones. Oh, okay. He's been shaking his head yes, and then shaking his head no. I thought he was going to speak. All right. Okay. What, I'll but, speak. But, what, 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 what do you have? Um. Yeah, I don't think you can compare like dressing up as a woman in in blackface. I think they're both wearing makeup. Okay, well, how about this scenario? There's a uh, African American student who gets who's doing this thing, and he gets selected to go as George Washington. Yes, uh, and then he puts on white, you know, fright powder all over his face because, you know, he's going as George Washington. He has the wig and all these other things, but you know, he's his skin is brown and. George Washington's skin wasn't, so this right. is would, – would we make that leap and would we – we wouldn't find that necessarily offensive, but then uh, what would you guys think about that? I mean it's from – the, from the 
point of view of the of the student, that's kind of like the same thing, right? Sure. Yeah, for for the students, it's it's the exact same situation, but it probably wouldn't be construed as offensive because there's no history of people being really upset about that. Just there's no wear, history. Don't wear makeup. Of, no white face. Yeah, just don't wear makeup. Just just yeah. Go. You don't need it. It's not, it's, need it's it. not yeah, necessary. I guess that's it, the answer. And you know they could have. I suppose if they allowed black people in that town, that's this whole thing. Yeah. Right? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. Uh, All right. Yeah. All right. Moving on, Ron. Don't you have something that you wanted to? Oh yeah, um, yeah. Us. We have we've got we're giving away uh, two free movie tickets to a special uh, a special pre screening of the film Tonight You're Mine on Thursday, mm-hmm. uh, May twenty fourth. Uh, the movie's about a rock star and a fan getting handcuffed together during uh, Tea in the Park. Do you guys know what that is? Tea in the Park? I do not. Some it's a music here. festival. It's right? a, yeah. It's a, it's best can be described as like the Scottish Bonnaroo. It's it's huge mm. music festival in in Scotland. And uh, all you have to do to be eligible for the tickets um, is to subscribe to the podcast by email. And if you're already an email subscriber, congrats, you're already in the drawing. So go out, subscribe to the podcast by email, and we'll enter you in a drawing for two free tickets to this movie. So they just go to our website and click on how to subscribe, and then they can find all that information. Exactly right. Yes. Um, if, If you can't figure out how to subscribe on our website... We probably don't want you as a, as a listener. Um, no offense, but it's really that easy. And and then also a little plug for our co-host, Joel Warner. He's going to be at the Denver Art Museum on Friday, May 25th, uh, when the Humor Code, uh, his, his book project, is taking over the Denver Art Museum as part of their monthly untitled event series. Uh, from 6 to 10, uh, among other things, there will be art tours led by stand-up and improv comics from the Grolics. Uh, cartoon caption contest run by Western cartoonist Kenny B, and potentially dangerous humor science experiments conducted by Joel and Dr. Peter McGraw. Uh, access to the event is included in the price of general admission, so go check it out on Friday, May 25th. Should be fun. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's all I got. That newsy, sounds, newsy bits. That sounds good. Next, we're gonna um, we're gonna talk about uh, baseball, but not really. Oh my God, baseball! I want I want Corey to lead in because he's the one who brought this to my attention about the squirrel, the rally squirrel, the rally squirrel. I actually don't know very much about baseball. I don't follow it. I used to work at. I don't the think you park, have to. But, for no, this but story. I love squirrels. Um, yeah. <laughs> so and apparently that's the a rally squirrel is a thing that was it turned the tide of the World Series supposedly. Last year, uh, I had to read this on Wikipedia, so you can look it up. A squirrel like, got out on the field, basically. Yeah, yeah. They, this has happened yeah. a couple times. It freaks inspired out. the Cardinals, and they went on to win the series, and it was very exciting for everyone. This and has happened a couple times, and then very recently, there and, was, yeah. Then the other day here in in Colorado, the the Rockies had their very own rally squirrel. No, 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 not not the Rocky. No, Rockies have rally bees. Well, no, yes. they had they a had a rally squirrel first. Yeah, they had a squirrel the other day, and then the bees decided, and it was covered. Yeah. It's true, Ron. I, mean, I, I watched the real. Video. This is yeah. real but it wasn't it wasn't it's adorable. It wasn't a Rockies game. Yes, it was. It was a Rockies was game. A Rockies. With the squirrel that ran across home yes. plate? Not across, it not home, across plate. home plate. It was oh, okay, see I saw it a totally different What? <laughs> is, it, I saw is that squirrel theme music or baseball <laughs> music? <laughs> squirrel baseball. Squirrel baseball. Yeah, I mean, it was it was in the outfield, right? It was, it it was, was in the outfield. Okay, all right. Ran across and as they were I, all I can do is listen to this music. <laughs> this is the worst version of that song I've ever heard. <laughs> it's the public it's domain a, version that you this can This is play. like the Reader's Digest version. All right, so Rally Squirrel, what, what's up with these I, bees? I've, yeah, I'm not the familiar bees, with these bees. The bees were last night. Yeah, last night at the Rockies game against the Diamondbacks, uh, the they had 
they had to delay the game uh, because a swarm of bees swarms plural swarm yeah thousands and thousands of bees swarmed the right side of the dugout where all the cameras were and uh, they had to call in a beekeeper uh, to come take them out and this guy comes in with this special kind of vacuum and sucks up all the bees and they got like two pounds of bees uh, but they had to delay. Corey the game. says three and a three half. Three and a half is what I read. Three and a half. Okay. Three and a half pounds the, of bees. A lot of bees. Yeah. Source, sources vary on the <laughs> poundage of bees. The point is, you could see, like, if you were sitting in one of the lower seats, not if you were in the rock pile, but if you were in one of the lower section seats, you could see the swarm of bees. It was that big. The thing was ridiculous. They were wearing beekeeper. The the. The TV guys were wearing beekeeper masks. They they, they brought which makes on me wonder why do they have all this bee equipment on hand. The special, the special vacuum. I mean, what what sort of plans of disasters are they ready for at Coors Field? Well, okay, I think I think the beekeeper that they called is the beekeeper from the Brown Palace because Brown Palace now has bees on its roof. Uh, they they started keeping bees up there uh, for for their spa, so they have honey for their spa and for their high tea. And I think the bees came from Brown Palace. Oh. Uh, so they had some uh, beekeeper nearby that they could call to come help. They have a bee now, guy. are you just totally speculating about yeah. this? Or is there, is I'm there speculating some... about the source of the bees. I don't really know where they came from. I am speculating. Thank you for checking me on that. That I'm just that would be the nearest One possibility. The nearest beekeeper in town would be the beekeeper at the Brown Palace, and then the next nearest would probably be like Four Mile Historic Park. They have beekeeper there as well because I buy honey from there, so I know. Uh, but. Uh, yeah, I the other thing is why were the bees there? That's the big question. I actually think the bees were there to cover up the cameras because the Rockies suck so much. The bees were ashamed and they were trying to cover up the cameras so nobody could see them lose to the Diamondbacks. You know, but they the, did. all right, so so I, I found it and the squirrel showed up against the Diamondbacks in the second inning of Tuesday's game. Oh. So it's something about the Diamondbacks and bees and squirrels. Di- What's so next? Do you think the Diamondbacks just have like this Stockpile of weird animals, and they're just releasing them during the games. Yeah, at least like, they're not bringing diamondbacks. I mean, <laughs> well, or, that's the, or their second baseman's Aquaman. Yeah, <laughs> this is so it's it's so bizarre. He is the beast man. Because you know, I, like I I understand squirrels sort of uh, because you know a, ba- <laughs> a baseball field is it's. It's a natural environment, but not that natural. It's not so natural that you would expect wildlife on a baseball yeah, field. I don't right? really understand how, like, whenever you see rabbits or other things that get on the fields, I don't understand how they get in there. How they like got they, there in the first yeah, place. Yeah, and know, squirrels can climb up and over. Yeah. Rabbits don't really, I mean, they're, cli- they're great climbers. Notorious yeah. climbers. Notorious climbers. <laughs> but Tree ra- rabbits. <laughs> rabbits? No. Rabbits. Just, rabbits, don't, rabbits aren't great climbers? I, uh, so. I think uh, what I was saying in Colorado is is the is the lone deer that like wanders down. You know how that yeah, is. Like, yeah. Sometimes I remember when I was a kid uh, here in Colorado, and like at our elementary school, sometimes there'd be like a deer on the front range. You know, would just like be in the you know running around the yard of the elementary school, and it would be like, oh, how like did that deer get down? Terrified. How did the deer get all the way down from the mountains through everything? And you know, and that's why I want to see one running around Coors Field. Or a falling bear. <laughs> or a falling, falling bear. bear. Yeah. The right. bear. Yeah, the we can, bear. that can be arranged. I mean, where there are bees, there is honey. Ooh. And where there is honey, there are bears. Yeah. So we can it. make it happen. All right. It's all what, coming together. <laughs> what else you got? Um, now I'm moving into some, some little more serious topics. I should have peppered these out, so 
Now we're gonna get weighted down. Get all somber <laughs> at the end. Yeah, this one isn't so. This one isn't so serious. Cheating in schools. Um, two Denver elementary schools, I believe. Am I correct? Yep. You two Denver elementary have- schools have have been accused of of cheating on the standardized tests in order to to raise their overall scores. And um, they you haven't have- named which schools. No, they you, they you, figured it out. You obviously yeah. have no they, children because this is very serious for me. I'm like, what? No, this is not okay. But they, I saw this morning they figured it out because I saw this morning that um, in the Denver Post they said that that the students performed poorly after they left, leading them to believe that there was cheating. Yeah, they've they've school students that moved away from the schools that uh that they're saying did the cheating. Right. Um, when those kids moved away from that school, they're. CSAP scores dropped a whole grade. Right. And so the the reason why this story is interesting is that you have these two elementary schools, which are in, you know, more impoverished areas, or these are typically the lower performing schools. Uh, One of them has been named as uh, Beach Court Elementary, which is uh, in a neighborhood kind of north of Sunnyside. I don't know if that's Chaffee Park or something like that. The other one is Hallett Fundamental Academy uh, in North Park Hill. And these were two elementary schools that had been the district darlings because these were regular DPS elementary schools. And they're not the charter schools. They're not any of these special schools. But yet they were able to get graded based on these standardized test scores as being very high performing. And it's interesting, the the praise that was heaped on at least uh, Beach Court Elementary uh, got a lot of attention earlier in the year when these scores came out. And so I actually have a, a clip from a Nine News broadcast there in January. So um, let me see if I can play that. Same thing we were doing. Most kids here are poor. Most of these faces speak Spanish first. Esto es lo que pasó en el libro. Third grade teacher Juan Osorio knows these are common factors in schools that struggle. Mm-hmm. ¿Por qué? Yet Beach Court Elementary is doing things it's not supposed to like showing some of the highest academic growth results in the state. We're not supposed to get those scores, you know, 96% reduced lunch, um, more than 50% second language learners. This is not supposed to happen. My first question is, well, why not? Why can't it happen? It can happen in every school. Principal Frank Rohde says 10 years ago, Beach Court had big problems. In the students and in the work that they do each and every day, Results can happen. Results like the ones you'll find on the ColoradoSchoolGrades.com website. It rates Beach Court as an A school, despite its obstacles. I think the most exciting thing about schools like Beach Court is that they are proving that it's possible to do great things even with kids that are coming from more challenging circumstances. No, por intentarlo pasaselo, Gabriel. At this school, they believe in teaching kids in Spanish. Para hacer el agujero. Mm-hmm. Muy bien. So they get all the support that they need in their native language, and it makes the transition faster and, and, and better. Kids new to the country can learn in all Spanish through third grade. Entonces, esta conexión no está completa. And Osorio says that's a big part to their success. It builds on their confidence, and I think it also builds on their culture. He says it helps kids retain their identities. And in the end, when they leave for middle school, their English skills have caught up. If they're given expectations, high expectations, any child can, can meet them. The improvements at Okay, so that was a clip from a Nine News story in January after Beach Court had been named one of these really high-performing schools based on these test scores. And what has happened since then is uh, apparently DPS at uh, Superintendent Tom Bosberg had called for this uh, 
I guess, this audit of all of the school test scores looking for irregularities. Anomalies. And he noticed uh, it came back that some of these irregularities as far as the test scores were coming from uh, these two schools. And then uh, according to what he told the Denver Post, then he went and brought this information to the state, to the um, I think the attorney general's office, who is now investigating these two schools. Uh, but what's what's really interesting to me about this is this gets right at the heart of this huge controversial debate over school reform and how do we take uh, you know a lot of these inner city school districts which have really awful schools and really you know low low performing schools. Do you? do what a lot of the reformers want and what they've been doing here in Denver, which is you impose this system of testing and accountability and looking for ways to introduce charter schools. Um, or do you uh, provide more, you know, provide more funding to some of these underperforming schools, these schools that do have these, uh, a lot of, you know, larger problems to deal with because, you know, 95% of the students at uh, Beachport Elementary are on uh, free lunches. Right. Uh, the majority of them are Spanish. Their parents are Spanish speakers. And when the test results came back that all of a sudden the school was doing so great, was so amazing, despite all these things, that seemed to be a affirmation of this notion that if we apply this system of testing on on school students, that it can actually raise the uh, performance of these students. But now, if it does turn out that, and I think it probably will, that administrators there, the principal who we heard in that clip, cooking the books or finding ways to pump up those test scores, is that, does that sort of rebuke that move toward testing or does it, uh, does this, does, you know, getting rid of these uh, cheaters on testing seem to strengthen that system? This is not, this is not a topic I'm versed in at all. So I'm going to defer to Ron. Ron, what do you think about the standardized Uh, testing? Okay. Well, first of all, I... My my big question is, does Beachcourt Elementary conduct their tests in Spanish? They said they teach in Spanish, and then they work on English skills on the side. Are they giving students, are they conducting those exams and explaining questions to students in Spanish? Because then, if those students then moved away to a stereotypical Denver school where there are no Spanish speakers, uh, and then they were given the test again, they would obviously perform more poorly. They might understand the concepts that are given on the test, but they're not going to get the questions right because they don't understand what they're reading uh, because their English levels are low. Um, so that that would be my first question about why why did were these scores so different? Like what happened? Why the variance? Well, one thing that the if Denver cheating, Post, when the then, Denver Post looked at um, how the students had performed after they left the school, yeah. like you would think that there would be this pattern. If this school is so great and students are learning more, well, when they leave, when they go to middle school, well, their performance should at least reflect that great performance. And they actually compared it to a similar elementary school. I think it was a charter school that did have a higher performance rating. And they found that those students that came from that high, that other higher performing school, those test scores did stay high even after they left the school. So they kind of used that as a control against. But I, I'm, what I'm saying, I'm saying language would be the major difference there that if they were getting those CSAP tests translated for them, in elementary school and then they went on to middle school and they didn't they would do worse they would just automatically do worse is that considered cheating though get helping the kid by translating it into spanish for them is that considered cheating i i i don't know but i'm thinking that the way that what they're looking at right now is how the 
school administrators there. I mean, they're looking at all the tests. They're looking for sure. irregular, irregularities. Did <coughs> were answers changed? Were certain numbers flubbed? Were, were all of those things that can go wrong? And we've seen these controversies erupt in districts across the country. Oh yeah, uh, these schools that are facing basically like either you raise the level of your student performance or we're going to shut you down. You right. Know? I mean, I think I think the whole system that puts if if this is a case of cheating or whether or it is a case of them helping in Spanish just to help improve the scores, it doesn't matter. The point you're absolutely right. The issue is that these schools are terrified of doing poorly on these tests because if they do poorly, they lose funding, which is the opposite I, of how it should be. Yeah. I mean, I I my I tend to think that standardized testing isn't a great measurement. No, it's That's not. Exactly. It's terrible. It doesn't doesn't <laughs> accurately tell you anything about the student other than how prepared they are for a particular test. Right. It doesn't tell you how much they've actually learned. Right. Do you remember the ACT or the SAT? No. No. <laughs> no. Or, it, I mean, yeah. Well, I, I, the, the argument that the, the school, test, that, the school, for life. that the school reformers say is that these schools, these districts are in crisis. Yes. And we need, to have, we need to have some measurement to track how schools and students are performing. If we don't have that metric, then we're just not going to know where the problems are and we're not going to have any way to fix or repair them. And a lot of these schools will continue to go ignored for whatever reason. You know, everyone involved in this debate, teachers, uh, administrators, school reformers, I mean, they all want these schools to do better. They all sure. want students, yes. they're all they're all the same ultimate goal, They but they differ big time in the right way to do it. Corey, you're a... Uh, you will soon have a little one who yeah. may or and may I not had, be going to Denver Public School. And I had a, I, I've already got one out of the house. So, oh yeah. yeah, I went through all this standardized testing stuff with her. I mean, I think it's just ass backwards. Like, I mean, on the one hand, you don't want to uh, incentivize people to fail, but it seems like it would make more sense just as a simple calculation like okay well you did terribly on these tests so here have a bunch more money that makes more sense than you did terribly so you get nothing like you know we're going to close the school and i mean you have to open a new school there anyway right and i, I don't know it just seems like really backwards to me it always did um I, you know another interesting thing that was in that in that nine news report that i didn't include was how they talked about how the fact that Beach Court Elementary was ranked so high that it changed the perception within the community. The One of the teachers there said, well, people, instead of moving away from this neighborhood right. to go try to find a better school for your kids, uh, people are actually staying because they're, oh, well, it's, it's an A school. And therefore, you wonder, like, well, does that perception then create higher test scores, right? Because this is the thing that these schools and teachers complain about, well, if you label us a, a low-performing or a failing school, sure. then all the people who have the means to, they're going to find some other school to go to. You know, I thereby hurting the scores even there, more. Thereby, oh, no. you know, you have the brain drain, I guess, who are all going to like these high-performing charter schools who therefore get higher test scores. Uh, and it, it's funny, like even the perception that it was better caused this sea change in the, um, at least how the parents approach the school, probably the the... The motivation of the students but but then again if it turns out that it was all it was all made up you know that right. has to be totally disconcerting and frustrating and really sad for a lot of the teachers and parents and students there that thought that they were doing so good but if it turned out that someone was making all that up yeah you know, it's really sad i mean to completely contradict myself you do get <laughs> <laughs> you do get the sense that there's some cheating going on in the january interview because 
all the administrators at the school and the teachers and folks, they keep going, this is not supposed to happen. This yeah, is right. just not <laughs> supposed to happen. And you're like... Uh, you guys are. What are you? Are you trying to tell us something? Are you trying Freudian to con- slip? <laughs> yeah, there's definitely some Freudian stuff going on there. I, I mean, I, this scares me because I I have a daughter. You know, I have two daughters. They're going. They're one's in school. The other one will be starting next fall, and they're at a, in DPS. In DPS at McMean Elementary. It's uh, in southeast uh, corner of town. It's 86 percent minority, 85 uh, percent free and reduced lunch. It's the same demographic as as Beach Court. Very similar. But the school is doing well. You know, creating these tests, creating these scores, it's a it's a, the wrong way to go about it. It's not actually creating edu- education. But then as a parent, you turn around, and the first thing you do is you look at the test scores of the schools around yep, you, and you, you, you totally use that. Like, I wouldn't allow my child to go to a failing school. Right. I wouldn't. I'd find ev- any other way to get her into a better school, even if it meant moving. Did you guys catch the uh, Colorado Public Radio series this week on Trevista? No. no. Yeah, so Trevista is a failing Denver public school, and there's this federal experiment called the Turnaround Program, Okay, where with a failing school, they bring in a new principal who makes sweeping changes, including mass firing of teachers. So Trevista is facing this right now, and, and they talk to a lot of the teachers who, talked, uh, who said that their students, they don't really have much stability at home. You yeah. know, and there's a very strong emotional bond between the students and teachers, and they're really like worried the teachers and students that their teachers just going to be swept out right um yeah that makes sense they even had like you know when they were there only two students went outside for recess because the others still wanted to hang out with the teacher you know oh interesting interesting but it's crazy uh, the, the one last thing i will stay about say about this story though is it's interesting to me how you know tom bosberg the dps superintendent says that the way he characterized it is like, okay, well, we did this general audit and I saw these um, these strange things going on. And immediately we went and took it to the state authorities and they're going to do the investigation and check it out. Right. I would venture that they actually – DPS knows a lot more about exactly what was going on in, the, in those schools. And they actually internally have either done a lot of reporting – and analysis and research to figure out they know exactly what has happened at those schools. They're not going to go just on a hunch and take this to the state level and kick up all this dust unless they were 99% certain that this is a that this activity has been going on and therefore when they turn it over to the deep to the state then they can look like oh we're running a tight ship. So right. I don't think it's bad that he necessarily went to the state but I but I don't think that his characterization like i'm just this neutral party and i'm just taking this to the state they're not going to do that unless they have pretty certain proof internally that this has been going on sure agreed i have a romanticized idea of cheating <laughs> like what yeah like I, you know i just sort of think that like after you leave this idyllic you know public school system with no cheating and you get into the real world Cheaters get ahead. Yeah, yeah, they do. And so when I it's when true. I first hear this story, since I don't know this in any depth, and I think of cheating, I think of like it's the kids cheating. You know? <laughs> like, like there's like wait, I'm kind of so I'm kind of like way to go, kids. Good job. Yeah. <laughs> Good job, kids. Like if you can score, if you can get a high score cheating and get away with it, future CEO, you, you yeah. future CEO, exactly. But then, but then your your bo- your board holders find out and you're forced to resign. Yeah, so then you take your severance package. You take your severance package and you go live on your yacht. You will get. We've got to cover something else really, really quick here before we go to love and hate. But um, Monday, if you're of certain political leanings, was kind of a bad day. 
to be a Coloradan and a yeah. Denverite. Um, which we call it? Civil union. Civil, Civil union. Civil union. Civil union was shot down by the GOP, <clears throat> and locally, the uh, camping ban. It, went it's, through. it's in. It's, it's signed. In. It's on. Um, so I guess general reactions. Uh, this okay. I'll go. I'll try and go quickly. The civil unions uh, debacle. I actually take a diff, a little bit of a different view of it. I think that the big losers in this was actually Frank McNulty and the GOP, uh, because of the way in which the House Speaker of the House Frank McNulty went about killing this bill. I think it sending left, it to the sending it to a kill committee essentially yeah. even after they had pushed it to a special session. I think that that left a bad taste not not only in people that support civil unions but even among the the GOP, um, you know, the people, even his uh, followers in, in the House of Representatives, it, they just didn't like the way that it went down. And it's really you're arguing to see this uh, this change among a lot of House Republicans who are willing to vote for something like civil unions. And so I think it's exposed a lot of that. And I I would venture to guess, especially if during these next uh, elections in November, if if the, if the GOP loses the House, people are going to pin that straight on Frank McNulty, say that it's his fault because you've you know not only uh, given the Democrats a huge issue, you've also pissed off huge um, uh, funders of gay rights issues like Colorado's Tim Gill to target a lot of these GOP uh, representatives. And so if they lose the House, they're going to pin it on Frank McNulty and they're going to track it back to this entire episode. Really was upsetting that – uh, Representative Don Corum was the person that cast the deciding vote. He has a son that's gay. Uh, that's, yeah, that's, and his wife was crying when he actually talked about it. Well, and he said he said that his or his son said, "This is the only time I've ever called him about anything legislative," and I called him and asked him, "Can I do this for you?" And he's like, "I love you, but no way." And his reason, he says, is because this bill was too similar to civil marriages because it used the word spouse, and. <clears throat> you know what's going to happen it. is that Get over the, it. the constitutional law that, that establishes marriage as something between man and a woman is going to get overturned. If they don't, they, they had their chance with civil unions to take care of it, be done with it. Now now they have a bigger political issue on their hands. I think it's it's going to blow up in their face. And that story about um, Dan <laughs> Colum, right? Corum, Corum uh, what an intense story. Like I read that and I'm like, oh, my God, you know, he has, he has grown adult gay son and then he votes against it but to me what that story says is is where where you know that's that's sort of a microcosm of where the society at large sure, is at. Sure. because now it's like you know these conservative politicians have you know they know gay people they're they're children some of their children are dick, openly dick gay. cheney dick cheney yeah. is is another example but he's pro-gay marriage now all right yeah. i know I and know. so and so that's where i mean this is now that it doesn't matter. i mean we're just at such this cultural moment but that personal story about him being the deciding vote on this kill committee to do it and then even you could kind of hear it in even his quotes how torn up he was about that sure. decision whereas five years ago you know, maybe a son wouldn't even been out. Right, <laughs> his, son, right. He, his like, son would not be openly gay. Yeah, that would have been a political liability for him. The fact that he had an openly gay son, and now it's like not only is it acknowledged, it's acknowledged what a politically difficult, personal and political choice that was for him. I mean, granted, in his defense, he did vote on behalf of what his constituents would want. the The district he votes for, um, they they would not want civil unions. So he did the right thing for his people. It's depressing well, that maybe he did his it. own personal political career because maybe his constituents would vote him out. Right, exactly. Yeah. If exactly, so the fact that he did it for for that reason and that makes sense. He did it to represent the people he's supposed to represent. It's just sad that he had to do it to his son, give the screws to his son at the same time. 
Yeah, and we have representative democracy too, though, so that our leaders can lead. And sometimes that means that they are out in front of an issue and they don't vote necessarily how you would vote if you were there. They're thinking about it a little more than you are, and sure. they're leading. And he's not leading; he's just parroting what I mean. That he has a, he had a perfect opportunity to lead, and he chose not to. So yeah. well said. Um, it's just sad. It is. It, it is. is sad. The Denver the the homeless camping ban. I don't know. I take like a little bit of a different. Um, view on that than I think a lot of people might expect. I don't know if it's necessarily that bad of a thing. I think that, you know, hearing what the the policies and procedures the Denver police is going to put into place, I don't think that it's as dire as, you know, now the city is criminalizing homelessness, that we're going to be locking any homeless people up. If anything, they're just going to use it as a tool to get people who chronically sleep out on places like the 16th street mall to move them along and, and put them, you know, get them out of the city core. But I don't necessarily know if that's a bad thing. You know, we, why, why wouldn't we have a law that says that people can't set up, you know, minor encampments and be in a location in a public space uh, or a private space. I guess this law covers chronically, you know, right. you know, sleeping bags, tarps, tents. I mean, as a society, why wouldn't we have a law preventing that? It, it was reassuring to me to hear specifically a Denver police saying that, uh, you know, arrest is our last resort. That There's that multiple the, warnings. There are multiple warnings involved. There is a process. And the goal is to get, I mean, the city has spent a lot of money on ending homelessness. You know, they had this goal by 2000, what, 2015, mm -hmm. that Denver would have no more homeless people. <clears throat> They built all this housing, so I think this is the next step along that process. They're going to out. They're going to outlaw camping. That right. way, there are no homeless people on the street. So it will give the impression that homelessness has ended. But also, you know, looking at it from the positive side, it will get these folks that chronically sleep on the street to at least consider sleeping somewhere else in this housing that is already available. I, I, what yeah, I've heard is the I occupancy mean, is low. On in the in the housing, right, right, right. But that's that's a step after shelters. There's not enough shelter space currently. And no. and I guess I guess the the one thing that uh, a positive that takeaway I guess is that um, it definitely forces <laughs> progress and a solution towards addressing it. You it know? does. It's it's like if you if you're not if you're just like okay, well we try to get people in, but like they're always can just sleep on the street. Now it's now it's like okay, but if you're going to do this, you also have to make sure there's for instance make sure that there's enough shelters available by the end of this month. Right. Yeah. You know, because what are you going to tell people? You can't sleep on the street, but there's nowhere else for you to go. Try Highlands Ranch. It's got lots of big you should parks. Try Highlands yeah. Ranch. It's yeah. great. It would be a much better place to sleep. You can catch a rabbit, cook it. You're good. <laughs> yeah. The people yeah. of Highlands Ranch <clears throat> welcome you <laughs> with open arms. Um uh, yeah, uh, what do you what do you guys think? How there's been a lot of speculation about how this is going to affect Occupy Denver. Yeah, which I, I think it was targeted. I mean, that was where sure. I think its genesis came. And like, we can't have these protesters living downtown and causing a nuisance. I mean, like, look at what the Denver Police Department's response to that was, where they were ticketing people who were honking at Occupy Denver, occupying in support. Like, if if you don't think that this is in response to that, like, I think that you you know people are like, oh, well, that happened four months ago that can't right. possibly be relevant it's like well that's when the bill was proposed yeah. it just took four or, months or at least to actually maybe, happen you know right. they, they want the downtown community wanted like the business community wanted something that would target homeless yeah. sleepers on 16th street mall but occupied denver all of a sudden gave this impetus where all of a sudden you said well now we actually have a, a you know a political motivation to go do this because at right. that time occupied denver was way bigger i mean there was 
sure. hundreds of people yes. sleeping down there and set up. And now it what it's, remains it's Occupy like, Sidewalk now. Let's just face it. Yeah, yeah Occupy, you know, median. Yeah. <laughs> or like you know the strip between the sidewalk and the street which but I'm now like, when if it happens again i mean if it, if it picks up steam again uh, whether in the same form or a different form now they obviously have this tool where they can just come in and be like nope yeah right so we warned you twice once twice you're right. going to jail and that's right, it right, they're right. just going to round people up and uh, pro- they were doing that anyway yeah they it were doing that anyway. now they just have strength. a nice yes exactly they have, they have a legal cover so when the lawsuits come back that say like oh, you can't really arrest me for doing this what yeah. i want to know is are they going to arrest the sneagrab people that i love yes. that point because that's the first thing i thought about sneagrab in front of what? uh gart you, you know what yeah. I'm about. You know Gart's. It's bargains backwards. Or uh, sports, sports authority. <laughs> yeah. Sports authority, which yes, used to be Gart's I know sports that. downtown. I know Sneagrab. They use Sneagrab, but then people will camp out for weeks, for weeks yeah. beforehand. They'll bring tents. It's in my neighborhood. Couches. It is literally weeks. Um, weeks? You know, when really? I, yeah, yeah, and they'll be out, and, they'll, be out, and they'll stretch around the uh, the building. But now there's this law. I mean, you if you're going to – Denver police, if you're going to apply this uniformly you know, to the people who are chronically homeless, who are you know, having a tarp over their head while they sleep under a bridge, you have to apply it to the Sneagrab people too. To the too. Sneagrab squatters. I like this. Trust like the like jackasses that sit out there trying to save $50 on a pair of skis. Right. Yeah, exactly. They bring when, couches. I mean, they'll bring grills. I mean, it's... I didn't know that. I, I've never seen this. Yeah. I've never, I mean, I've seen camping out for, for other stuff, for concerts Concert and whatnot, tickets, sure, man. for, you know, video games coming out and that sort of thing, but I've never seen the Sneagrab. Huh? All right. Yeah, are they gonna ban, are they gonna arrest all the uh, new iPad? You know. Yeah, they, all the all the hipsters with the iPhone five comes out. Like right. they'll be out there for two or three weeks too. Yeah, for sure. <clears throat> I do know. I do. I, I also realized I, that um, Colorado Springs, Boulder, and Fort Collins all have camping bans. And having lived in Fort Collins, I can say it doesn't. End. It doesn't do anything. It doesn't, it doesn't anything, end yeah. people camping. You know, right. they just hide a lot better. Moving on to love and hate, uh, before we get out of here, Jared, do you want to start us off? Yeah, actually, I want to throw out a quick love and, and maybe even retract some semi-hates that we've been throwing out uh, since probably the inception of the diatribe to Colorado Public Radio and Ryan uh, Warner. Yeah. I know that I've, uh, over the months, maybe backtracked against some of my earlier co-hosts, very uh, vocal, making you, fun of You've Ryan. defended... I've defended him, and I, now, I, now I want to make it officially clear. Like I think that over the past two years... Colorado Public Radio and Ryan Warner have improved dramatically, and this is due to a number of things, but primarily them actually hiring more reporters and more uh, producers out there to get these really good stories. They do the best political statehouse coverage. They're finding a lot of really interesting stories. The one that really stuck out to me was a few weeks ago when Ryan Warner got this interview with the guy who had been uh, in prison for something like 15 years for a murder he didn't commit and then yep. DNA evidence proved it. He got somehow got one of these first interviews with this guy, listened to it on the radio, and it was a great interview. And I think that uh, you know it should be acknowledged that Colorado Public Radio has come a long way. And even Ryan Warner as an interviewer has, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's really good now. So I think that that's my that's my I would, stance. I would right now. second that. Okay, it's just his earnest voice. That's it. <laughs> it's it's the smirky voice. Yeah, it, it's like Kyle Wagner on Nine News. I I I, I like felt bad when she got bit in the do- face by a dog, but I can't. I was like that dog bit the smirk off that bitch's face. Thank <laughs> oh, God, oh, she Corey. deserves it. 
I, I, I don't have as much experience doing the love and hate stuff as you guys, so I'm just going to throw back to earlier. I really love that we have rally bees. I love that we have bees that take an interest in baseball. I think that that actually yeah. increases my interest in baseball. Like, I, I love animal exploitation. Is almost, well, not almost as much as I love zombies, but a lot. Uh, and so the fact that bees are taking an interest in baseball increases my own interest in baseball, like, easily a thousandfold. Yeah, Sweet. excellent. Rally bees. All right, um, I, I'm going to quickly hate on walkscore.com. Do you guys know about this? No. There's this website that wants to, they give ratings on how walkable a neighborhood is. Mm. So you can go to Denver, you can go search Denver and you can search your specific neighborhood and tell it'll tell you how walkable your neighborhood is. Capitol Hill, Josh, congratulations. You get a huge, like, 96. Yeah, I bet. Which is a great score. Uh, but they've added this thing called bike score, where they're scoring how bikeable a city is. But it's new, and so only... The cities that have had enough people tweet about this, uh, oh. requesting their city to be on the list, get on the list. Oh. So the top 10 list is all fucking screwed, and Denver's nowhere near. It's not on the top 10 because we're too busy riding bikes instead of tweeting about it here in Denver. <laughs> right. And so it pisses me so off to Seattle. see. You know, pa- Patrick Doyle, one of, our, one of our buddies that used to live here, wrote for 5280. He's in Boston Magazine now, and he's like, ha, 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 Boston is number four. I'm like, bullshit, no, yeah. no, wrong. And then I want to love very quickly on May 26th, uh, Denver Days of Rock downtown, free concert with Fishbone and Toto. Uh, wow. So a little bit of something for everybody. Wow. That's quite a quite Not a together. They're not, they're not doing a set together, but no. they'll probably be on opposite ends of the 16th Street Mall. But go check it out. I'm going to love on something that was announced uh, this past week, but is pretty far out. And I don't mean that in a hippie. I just said that not in a hippie way. It's August 26th. The uh, Real Social Club, which is the the youthful arm of the Denver Film Society, they're doing their second annual Summer Scream out at Lakeside. They rent it. It's the only time of the ever, I think, that they have a liquor license out there. It's an open bar. I, I don't know off the top of my head how much it was last year. It was like 35 bucks. Live music, DJs, all the rides you can ride with no lines and not paying for it. Open bar, $35. And when is it? August 26th. Yeah, if oh. you want to hear about last year's, actually, we did a uh, we sent a reporter uh, last year to the Real Social Club Yeah, I was there. Event, it was the best night of the summer. Yeah, yeah, he also had high praise for it. Yeah, um, it's uh, really well done. Drink heavily and go on roller coasters. You can drink heavily and go on roller coasters. Right, what's it's, not to love? It's, and it's, it's, it was just, it's, they do a great job with everything, and this idea and concept i'm glad it's coming back for a second year sweet real social club is awesome in general they are they are um i have a love uh for an event tomorrow in boulder it's the uh the women's uh songwriter showcase at the laughing goat on uh, pearl street yeah so uh go check it out my girlfriend is performing playing the piano tomorrow from 8 to 11 8 to 11 in the morning or at night at night right on at the laughing goat and that is uh, Julia Mondragon behind the glass there. He is produced to engineer today's show. Is that how you call it, engineer? Yeah, yeah. you call it that. Mondragon. Well, that's all the love and hate we have for this week. If you have something to say about the topics or would like to share a little of your own love and hate, please leave us a brief message at 720-282-Y-E-L-L-L-L. <laughs> that's 720-282-9355 follow us on Facebook join us on Twitter at Denver Diatribe and visit us online at denverdiatribe.com for uh, Jared and Ron my co-host and myself Josh have a great week take care
playing. 